How's it, guys? Welcome back for our special Christmas episode as we bring you the Punter 2022 Rugby Awards. As always, I'm joined on the pod by my good buddy, Ronnie. Today, however, we're also joined by Dion, the no-bullshit sports guy. How's it, everyone? Welcome, Dion. Ronnie, Nick, how's it, guys? Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate the invite. Uh, Looking forward to chatting to you guys. Very keen for this one. Support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PUNTED20 at manscaped.com. If my maths is correct, that's about 12 million balls. Talk about this every bloody week, man. So I hope your maths is correct by now. You still haven't done the maths, Ronnie. But I mean, here we are sitting on a Sunday, having a beer, talking about rugby. What could be better, hey, boys? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, uh, tough life. First ball problems. <laughs> yeah, okay. We do have load shedding on whilst we're recording. But I mean, you make do with what you've got. Eh? At least we had some stellar rugby on this year. It really, really was a great year all around for the Springboks at times, for our domestic teams at times. It's the way a season goes, ups and downs. But I've just written down some things here that I thought, you know, can really sum up the year. I'm going to read them out. You guys can tell me what you think. So this year, we got to see Ireland win their first ever series in New Zealand. We then watched Wales win a first test in South Africa. Los Pumas won their first test in New Zealand. They also beat England this year at Twickenham. We saw Georgia beating Wales in Wales. We saw Italy beating Wales in Wales. Eben got his 100th test cap at only the age of 30. France, undefeated year. 12 games, 12 wins. Very, very impressive from Les Blues. Two head coaches fired in 24 hours. Warren Gatland returned. Dion Ferry became the oldest debutante at the age of 35 for the Springboks in the same year that Kanan Moody shattered the record set by Franz Stein, getting his first cap at the age of 19. And Sam Whitelock and Brady Retallick took the record for most cap lock pairing, stealing it from Victor Matfield and Bucky's Buerta. Yeah, did you mention that uh, we had a South African team uh, win the URC this year as well? Ah, there we go. That's one that I missed. I thought I'd let Roddy do it since we're joined by a Stormers fan today, you know. Yeah, that's the unfortunate bit though. Now, now, now we've invited Dion to be a part of the podcast, but unfortunately is a Stormers fan from what I hear. And that's, that's just terrible for Dion. Uh, thank you so much for making me feel welcome off the bat and, and mentioning it that. I don't have to later. So I don't seem like the typical Stormers <laughs> fan, but th- th- thank you for mentioning it. Someone had you, and um, I'm glad it's out of the way. We can uh, chat about it a little bit later again, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie's just better because he picked the Bulls in the final and it cost him his money on Super Brew. Yeah, look, hey, I'm not a fan of the Stormers, and I suppose uh, the reason is because they just keep uh, winning and I don't want them to win. Yeah, it's, it was That's a, a good reason. <laughs> it was a great year for the Stormers, led by John Dobson. You know, as as Dion said, they won the first URC competition. Really impressive from them. I don't think anyone expected it. And to have two South African teams in the final is also worth a mention. You know, that's something definitely not expected when this con this competition was brought about. Especially, uh, yeah, two South African teams surprising everybody at the end there. It, I didn't see that coming. And then, you know, Nick, you just listed off a whole bunch of achievements, which is great, especially off the back of COVID. 
you know, things were in and out. We had a foot in the door. Then, you know, rugby wasn't being played. And then there's all this that happened shortly after COVID, which is fantastic to see. Competition is is rife. There's, any team can beat any other team on the day. And it's fantastic. Yeah, I think, like you say, yeah. anyone can beat anyone on a day. And that really is what's special about the game at the moment. It's so competitive. I mean, Ireland slaughter New Zealand in New Zealand, come close against the box. Same with France. I mean, everyone's just sneaking victories home. There's no blow, real blowout test matches anymore. Definitely not. It's actually scary if you look at the top 10 in the world. Anybody can beat anybody in any day. And I think the URC and South Africa getting involved in the URC, I don't want to sound like a typical South African here, has a lot to do with it, in my very unprofessional opinion. It's the, the, the Southern Hemisphere influence in the Northern Hemisphere and these guys really playing with us and against us. I think it's, it's helping the, the field equal out in international rugby. Exactly. It's good for us and it's also good for them, right? So, you know, we're getting exposure to that Northern Hemisphere. I suppose we've got a lot of players that played there over the years so they already had that exposure but you know the likes of Ireland, Leinster and, the, and those teams getting exposure to some strong South African sides and Stormers, Bulls. I want to say the Sharks but you know, sadly not. You know that's that's raising their level of rugby. That's making them a little bit more competitive and I think uh, uh, our friend Nick uh, put a, a meme on uh, the rugby punted as well where we were leaving Super Rugby in the rear view mirror. And that is the reality. It's uh, it's more exciting at the moment. And 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 you said it, uh, Dion, earlier. We were big fans of Super Rugby, myself included. I was against us coming north. And um, now that we have come north, it's won me over a little bit because yeah, it's just it's a lot more competitive. There's a lot more different matchup. And um, sorry, but I think New Zealand, Australia are going to be left behind. Yeah, I definitely think they're going to be left behind with the competition they have. Obviously, they added Fiji and uh, Samoa and Tonga and so on in there through the Pacific Islands. But their competition lost a lot when the South African sides left. We were all quite heartbroken, like you said. But I think, you know, South Africa is definitely the biggest winner in this in this situation. And second must be the Irish because they're now getting good pressure in the domestic competition. Leinster's being pushed and, you know, that only breeds better players, better cohesion and better outcomes for the Irish game. Wales as well. And you look at these teams, the more the European teams get used to playing against our domestic teams here, the less of a factor altitude is going to be, the less of a factor the hot weather is going to be. And you know that's leveling out the playing field for them a little bit as well. Absolutely. 300%. Something I think we have to just have a chat about is probably the, the SA player welfare. You know, Eben coming out this week saying he thinks that South Africans should go to the Six Nations. It's not a move I'm keen on, Ronnie, and I've spoken about it quite a bit on the pod. But in terms of a player welfare perspective, you know, it might have merit in it because look at the box. They played the URC to conclusion. Then they were against Wales, then the Championship, the Autumn Nation Series. And then we're seeing them turn out in the, the Heineken Cup and the URC again now. There's a, a collective bargaining agreement in place with my players. And that says that a professional player in South Africa cannot play more than 32 games in a year. And a game is considered 20 minutes or more. So if you just look at that, a player like Eben started nine games and played one off the bench for the box. That means a third of his availability in a year goes to the box. The Sharks only capitalize on two thirds of it. Was my maths okay there, Ronnie? No, no, I, I was actually quite surprised that you got that right. And, and look, you're right. Player welfare is definitely a thing, but uh, we can we can possibly bring up the Jake White uh, debate that we've had where 
you mentioned, oh, you said to me, oh, look, have you seen the Bulls team that, that's that been put on paper? And, you know, you were wondering whether they were actually here to play. Well, I, in the back of my mind, I thought, yeah, maybe Jake White's uh, prioritizing the UFC, but he managed to come away with a win. And and I think that's that's a lot of planning that he had to do to put it together a strong enough team to win in the Heineken Cup, but, but make sure that his... Plus the URC remain rested and, and ready to go. It's 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 gonna be a hell of a struggle for the South African teams and I hope that the Stormers, you know, although they lost, can can, you know, bring it back. The Sharks had a lot of big name players as well. They're gonna to have to rotate players because play welfare is absolutely it's gonna be paramount. It, it's it's a long season. Yeah, no, what you guys are saying, I think, is hundred percent correct. And this this thing with Sabu in the week as well. Jake came out and he, and he made a comment and said that they are people before they are players. And and I think sometimes as fans, ordinary fans like myself, we forget that these guys are brothers, they fathers, they they cousins. We need to make sure that the the the, the players are protected and their mental health is fine, as well as their physical health. Look at the motor neuron disease and all these stuff. You want to try and avoid these things. And there's obviously measures in place. And yeah, it's a difficult thing, but it, it should be number one priority, I feel. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because, you know, we are, we sit on the couch week in, week out, and we watch these games and we go, oh, you know, why aren't you playing so and so? And oh, look, you know, this person's playing subpar again. Oh, um, uh, and we forget that they are people before they are players. And that's, that's actually a, a, a brilliant point. Yeah, I think it's very important. I think Jake White seems to be getting the squad rotation right at the moment. You know, we saw. Earlier on in the year, squads saying they were splitting squads down a fine line for the Curry Cup for the URC. Jake White didn't go that way. He said that we were one squad and he rotated players between. And looking back now, probably a smart move heading into the Heineken Cup and the URC parallel. He's now sort of figured out how to run that a little more smoothly. Pulling off a win against Leon in the opening fixture of the Heineken Cup with a depleted team like that really was impressive. So Jake White, we cannot question your, your intents there. A lot of people will, will though. I mean, but that's yeah. Rugby player, rugby fans are like that. We are fickle. We uh, we are hot and cold. Um, but once you actually sit down and actually think about the strategy and the planning that goes into it, you can win us over. And and maybe maybe I want to forgive Jake White for some of his rantings over the last couple of years because uh, he lost a bit of favor in my books. But uh, I'm all for him again. I, I hope the Bulls play. The Bulls are strong again going going into the Heineken and and URC. Tell me, Dion, doesn't that make him sound a little bit like a Bulls fan? I, I was starting to question this whole Sharks fan fan theory of his. So, yeah. Um, Jake, I think you just got yourself a new fan there. Well done, buddy. Yeah, okay, right. while, we, oh, while we're on that topic, Dion, uh, your opinion of the Sharks at the moment? Because I've said this now. I'm a, I'm a Shark supporter. for I've been a Shark supporter for many, many years. But unfortunately, we just never won a trophy. Something to, to write home about. I mean, the Curry Cup here and there. But... You know, it goes as far back as 2007 when we lost to the Bulls in the final of Super Rugby. I believe the Sharks are the world's most average team. We belong in the middle of the log. Yeah, unfortunately, if you look at how they're playing and, and history, that's, it's kind of true. But the, the unfortunate part of it, I think the, the talent in that team is immense. And not to get too deep into coaching and that type of stuff, I think Sean was a, was a good coach and everything. But I think him leaving is the shake-up the Sharks needed. Uh, I don't think he was bad, but I think shaking it up a little, getting someone in with a, with a little different mindset, um, with, with with new views and new things, can only be good for the Sharks, in my opinion. Yeah, I think we, we've said that a lot as well. Everett was a good coach, but he wasn't up to pulling the best out of the quality of players that he had. You need someone. I'm still advocating heavily for John Plumtree to come back. 
but we'll have to see if they keep Neil Powell right through the rest of the season as we go into 2023. That being said, guys, should we get on to the punted awards, hey? There's a good bit of debate we can have around some of these players. And we each obviously made our nominations, picking a player, and then it went out to a vote to all our followers. So with that coming in, I think let's start with the SA Young Gun of the Year. I have to chirp myself here. I nominated Kurtley Aronser. I need to find out he was 26 years old. So I took this thing out of Ronnie's chirp there nice and quickly. No, look, I, I also originally thought Kurtley Aronsel was a, a great young player, a great young fan, until I actually went and, 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 and saw how old he was. He's uh, 26. That's can't consider that. I, can, I, can, I personally will consider that young, but I don't think you can consider that a young gun. But, you know, otherwise I would have gone for Kurtley Aronsel. Cannon Moody, though, fantastic. For the Bulls, though, and, and it's a, a brilliant step up for him, although he didn't get as much game time for the Springboks. But for the Bulls, I thought he played exceptionally well this year. Yeah, and youngest debutant ever. And then, Dion, you picked Evan Ruiz as your pick for the SA Young Gun. Also a player that had an incredible domestic season. Chances a little bit limited on the international stage, though. Yeah, I think I'm showing my bias straight off the bat here by, by choosing <laughs> Evan as a young gun. No, I, I had a proper think about it. And I think looking at the domestic season or the URC season and then the Springboks as well, initially not being involved in the Springbox setup, I think there was, I don't want to say issues, but there was a lot of questions regarding the, the, the Springbox style of play and whether Evan fits into that, having a... People like Jasper Visa and Wayne Fabielan around all the time. And uh, I think Evan, when he got the one or two opportunities, he did great at the at the spring box. And I think he really stood out in the URC. So all in all, I think Evan is really putting his hand up and for him to 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 still get the call up, even not maybe being the the hundred percent the right person for the game plan says a lot. So that that's why my vote swing that way towards Evan. Yeah, some very good nominees up there. But I think ultimately, SA Young Gun of the Year is going to go to our youngster, 19-year-old Kanan Moody. Yeah, well done, Kanan. Impressive. And we're keen to see what you can pull off next year. A good call. I think he was awesome. He really, really had a stellar season. And then we go on to Young Gun of the Year. So this was of all the youngsters playing in, in the world. I know I was quite a fan of Darcy Graham. He really lit up the URC for me, then did the same for Scotland. Unfortunately, getting injured now, so he didn't partake for Scotland in the for his, his club side in the Heineken Cup. But Darcy Graham was my nomination. Ronnie, you again nominated Cannon Moody. Yeah, Cannon Moody. Sure, I also thought about uh, Gobisi over in at Italy. I thought Italy as a team did very well. And, and I mean, you, Nick, have mentioned Gobisi a couple of times in the podcast. But yeah, Cannon Moody for sure. I, I backed him as well. I think the general trend, uh, the players are getting older across a lot of the teams. There aren't so many young fans at the moment, or at least they're not in the international space uh, with, with you know international matchups. So for me, I stuck with Kane and Moody. I just felt well done to him. Uh, I hope that he gets more game time for the Springboks and that uh, we see him in, uh, on the international stage a bit more. Yeah, as you mentioned there, Garbisi was also a phenomenal player. He actually kept Pollard out of the starting side for Montpellier this year. So very, very well done to young Flyhoff. And then Dion, you nominated Andrea Capuozo. He had a stellar season for Italy, the young fullback. Very, very impressive. Yeah, no, definitely. I think he, he was great. And I had a look back at it and I think he, he stood out. But to, to fall into what, what, what Ronnie said there, I think you're 100% right. You're seeing guys playing rugby for much longer. Guys, old guys still still around. When you say old guys, the likes of Johnny Sexton, Brian Vermeulen, well into their 30s. So the, the young guns are few and far in between lately. 
because I think you can still play when you're quite a bit older. But yeah, I think the, he he specifically had a, had a good season and and was a good shot. I actually almost fell into the Kurtley Orenson chat, but luckily I checked his age, so I was close <laughs> to nominating him. <laughs> and you couldn't pop me a WhatsApp, Dion, and say, "Listen, Kurtley's a bit old." Eh? <laughs> but yeah, I must say our followers all agreed with you, Dion. So Andre Capuoso is our young gun of the year. Very well done. Very keen to see. And like you say, this is a special award because it's increasingly difficult to be a youngster and crack it into your international team. So well done, Andre. Then SA back of the year. Now this. This one I know we're going to get a lot of grief on social media for, but there were quite a few contenders here. Obviously, Lucanio Am is the big one, but Lucanio Am was injured for the bulk of the season. So for me, it makes it quite difficult to rate a player on that. We then had, Ronnie, your nomination, Damien Dialende. Yeah, so obviously I was never a big fan of him in his early days, and uh, he he'd also proved me wrong. Damien Delende, he's one of those reliable players at the moment. I just find him, when he has the ball in hand, I trust him. I I, I don't, and, and that's, what I, I, that's what I like. I, sometimes with, with certain players, think uh, Vili, I might sometimes, I like Vili. But sometimes I wonder and I ask my question, Vili catch it or Vili not? You, you know, that's why I went for someone like a Damien. <laughs> Damien Delende because uh, I just trust him. I just I feel like he brings stability to the backline. And when Lukanya I mean, is there, it's a dangerous pairing. Uh, I would have gone for I would have liked to have gone for Damien uh, for Lukanya Am, but obviously being out for a couple of uh, weeks or months, um, I then opted to go for his inside centre partner. And Dion, your pick, Vili Larue. I've been quite vocal about supporting Vili, so I was glad to see he got a nomination. Yeah, I think he, he had a little bit of a better season. We we all remember chasing the Sun and, and, and the World Cup and really dropping balls and stuff like that. And I think in a season where there was a lot of debutants and a lot of uncertainty around him, where Franz Stein played fly-off and then Damien Willems and then this and that, he, he slotted into that first receiver role often. He distributes well. And I think he, he really just he keeps showing that he's an assist king. So that. That's the reason for my nomination. I have to, to agree with Ronnie, though. Damien Dalende is week in, week out. You just know what you get from the guy. You know he's going to be solid. You, you can't fault him on anything. Yeah, he really is. It's like Eben Etzebeth in the forwards as well. They're just mainstays of the Springbok team, and they get their job done week in and week out. My nomination was for uh, Damien Willemser. You know, he had some clutch moments for the box, like winning that first test against Wales at Loftus putting on some good performances. I do feel like moving him to 10, though, detracted from his real skill set. I think he's better suited to 12. But this one, all three of us got outvoted by the followers, hey, guys? So there's a, a dark horse that wasn't even nominated that's going to win this one. And that is Kurtley Orenser. So this is where he comes in, SA back of the year. And I guess rightly so. He scored seven test tries in seven tests, which is hellishly impressive. And he played on the right wing and on the left wing as well. And uh, I thought that was yeah. uh, absolutely brilliant. And I think, in my opinion, he scored the South African trial of the year with him and uh, Damien Willemsa linking up and then him stepping, uh, what's the boy with the nice hair? Marcus. <laughs> oh, Marcus. <laughs> you think he's figured out what side he's going to go in? <laughs> I think that's why he wasn't included for Quinn's this uh, two weeks ago. He was still trying to he's, figure out where he's still wiping were. his hair out of his eyes. <laughs> Happy but, to lose that one, though. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but I think also just to drive home the point on Kirkley Orenser, so he scored seven tries. I want to name the teams he scored against because often you see these flash in the pan New Zealand wingers who come like a 
Julian Sevilla scores a bunch of tries, but then they've played Fiji and Tonga and USA and Japan and whatever. Currently, Orenska, All Blacks, he scored against. Los Pumas, Ireland, France, Italy and England. What a way to debut. That's crazy. That's crazy. Do you guys think Jason Colby is getting nervous? I'm getting nervous for Jason Colby. That's that's the problem. Is I like Jason Colby. He's probably one of my favorite players. And I keep, and I look at Kirkley Orange and I go, oh, how the hell am I going to have both of them on the field at the same time? This is, a, for me, a, a Bowden Barrett and Richie Munger debate all over again. Yeah, whereas I'm the other way. I feel like Mpimpi's position is under threat by Orange. What do you say, Dion? Yeah, that's also a valid point. Eh? Imagine having Kirtley and and Chazen on the field. Um, my pimpies are sore, but yeah, I, I feel if there's someone under the it, it, it could might be my pimpy. I think you're right. Yeah, it's it's there's just so much talent out wide. It's unbelievable, and it's crazy that now that we've unlocked this myth about small players not being suited to the game, how frequently we deploy them on the field for the Springbok. Because ten years ago, this never would have been a thing. No, hundred percent. I think 20, 2018, when when Colby got called up, I remember. Half of my mates just having a rant about it, saying, oh, he's too small and super rugby this, and they're going to run over him. And that when he came on against the All Blacks then, he was attacking like a monster on the wing. I think he showed the world yeah. that this is a game for all sizes. No, for sure. I was one of those guys that thought they were going to run over him. So, <laughs> sorry. And then we move on to the, the front forwards. Some impressive performances across the board there from some big names. You know, we've come to, to love our forward pack here. Yeah? So my nomination went to Jasper Visa. I think I've spoken a number of times here now because I criticized him heavily in about May, June, said he wasn't supposed to be a bock, and he made me eat my words over and over again. So Jasper got my nomination. Then Ronnie and Dion, you both went for big fronts, Malherba. I, I'll, I'll kick off the all fronts. I picked fronts for the same reason I picked Damien Dillende. You know what you have with France, and he's just going to win penalty after penalty after penalty at scrum time. He's going to do his job. He's going to be reliable, and he's he's just you, you're never going to say, "Oh, France more than but What did you do there? You know that's never going to happen in a game. And for him to come off the other day and play what seventy eight minutes or something after Thomas the Tank went off uh, with a red card is impressive. I mean that's 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 tough work for old, old big France. And uh, that's why I pick France Malaba because I just trust him. And he obviously wins a lot of penalties that way we kick for posts. And I'm sure he's contributed that way immensely for this for the spring box. But I'm glad to see, uh, Dion, you you agree with me. So Yeah, no, 100%. And I'm, uh, and I'm looking at my notes and I've got the exact same thing with Danya. It's He's just, I, I'd like to see the stats of how much penalties he's won for the spring box. He just does the basics so well. He goes out and does his job. Week in, week out. He's a solid performer. And the other thing is, the big oaks, uh, like I see all three of us, oh, I'd never get nominated. Like, the world just seem to skip over the props. Come on, guys. We need to recognize the big oaks. We need some recognition. And I said, I said exactly that to, to Nick uh, not too long ago. It's, it's always the flashy uh, back rowers or it's the, the background players, but the front rowers just don't get recognition. The recognition that they absolutely deserve. I think if we let some of them kick a little bit more, they might win more awards. Yeah, I think that front is very impressive. Like you guys guys say, front rows definitely deserve some love. No, there's never been a front rower nominated for World Player of the Year by World Rugby. So hopefully that's something we get to see change in the coming days. Sorry, next year after the World Cup. And then this one, the voters all sided with me. 
Thank you very much, Jasper Visa. You are Springbok forward of the year. Very well done, Jasper. Guys, we move on to test of the year. Dion, did you make it to any of the Bok games this year? Yeah, I was fortunate enough. Uh, so I, I'm from Johannesburg. I was fortunate enough to go to Alice Park and not have my pass stolen. So it was an awesome experience. <laughs> um, a cracker year for Springbok rugby. I was lucky enough. I went to every single Springbok home game this year. It was incredible to get to see that. I personally loved the experience in Cape Town. I know Ronnie did too. Just the whole way it was organized. The vibe in Durban was incredible as well. Durban always knows how to pull off a game and keep the crowd involved. Ellis Park, not my favorite. But ultimately, the Box vs. All Blacks game at Nelspreit voted best of the year. It has, uh, In my opinion, it has to have been that game. And, and the reason is it was against the traditional foes. It was a tra- against the All Blacks, who I still consider it's the number one rivalry. It's the number one test match you can watch. I think, you know, my dream is, is you know, more so than going to a, a World Cup final and watching the Springboks play would be to watch us play New Zealand in, you know, Wellington or Dunedin or, or, or Christchurch or wherever. But I, I just personally love playing the All Blacks. And that game in Nelspet was electric. I mean, Nick, you were there. And uh, you saw it as 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 Lofelders, We know how to how to uh, support rugby. That's true. You guys do. I have to give you credit for that. What did you think of that game, Adion? Yeah, no, it was an awesome game. I think uh, the Lofeld. I think a lot of brandy was consumed there. I remember <laughs> seeing some beers and stuff. Guys, nine o'clock in the morning having a jaw, having beers with breakfast. I think it was an awesome game. It's it's lovely as a South African watching the Springboks play like that. Uh, all uh, um with that with that touch for for good lead to score. I think it was in that game it was excellent. So yeah, I think it was really just an awesome awesome game. Yeah, you calling us and throwing us under the bus there. Beers at nine o'clock. That was definitely Ronnie and I down at Nelspreit. Started off at the Mug and Bean, and then it just continued from there on out. Then we move on to team of the year. This one, unfortunately, I had to override our followers on. I used a veto vote. Yeah. I think our page is a little bit biased because the Springboks were voted in favor by 54%. A bit of an indifferent year from the box, some good wins, some bad losses. You know, not not necessarily a bad year for the box, but I definitely don't think they qualify for team of the year. And I just couldn't be that biased. I, I'll agree with you there. Uh, I, I thought Springboks had good wins this year. We had good games. We played Wales. Uh, no, Cape Town was fantastic to watch, but definitely not team of the year for sure. And uh, I was trying to find who the biggest climbers were in the in the rugby rankings and, and base my my nomination on that. But uh, it was a little bit tricky. And I just I went for France. I suppose they they were my team of the year, having beaten everyone in the top tier this year. So that was fantastic to see. But uh, I think uh, you were right by him. Overruling followers. Yeah. Oh, so, no, the followers definitely showing some bias. Yeah, definitely were. So this award goes to Ireland. Although France had an undefeated year, Ireland had a very successful year beating the All Blacks in New Zealand on a tour. France spent their end of or their, their media tour against Japan, so lost a couple of points there. But both sides toss up between the two in my mind. The reason I think Ireland as well, you just look back at there and you think what what was standout in beating New Zealand in New Zealand. It was difficult not to go with Ireland on that one. Yeah, that's for sure. It was very impressive, especially after they went one down in the series opener. You know, it could have been a blowout from there. So they held on and they won it in, in good style. Then SA Player of the Year. Again, we see this on our socials all the time, who the love players are. It's very easy to pick up on who this is going to be. And the vote here really was split between Lukanyo Am and Irban Etzebeth. I think all is fair, Irban winning it. He had a stellar season, performed in every single game. And you know, what more could you want than him as your enforcer? 
Yeah, for sure. I don't want to play against Eben. But the reason I overlooked Eben personally was because he just operates at such a high level. I never actually, I, you know, it's just become the norm for him to operate at such a high level and play so well. That's why I just don't actually ever consider him. I think Lukanya Amwood for me was a, definitely a good a good second choice there. Though. I, I think Lukanya is just such a flashy player. He just links that back line up together along with his uh, Damien Delinde. And, uh, you know, a little chicken wing or back around the back pass is always nice to see from Old Kanye. But yeah, for sure. Eben, what a legend. Yeah, D- Dion, does it hurt that Eben's at the Sharks now? Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about it yesterday. It's still <laughs> seeing him, it, it feels so odd seeing him in a Sharks jersey. It's, it, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> it definitely feels right to us, though, Dion. Don't worry. We'll take care of him for you. But yeah, a massive year from Eben Etzebeth. He earned his 100th cap. We were there for that in Cape Town. Very impressive. He's now on 110 test caps at the age of 31. And, you know, he signed at the Sharks till 2027. So he could very well overtake Victor as the most cap mark with 127 in the next year and a half. World Player of the Year. Yes, I'm bracing to get a lot of cuck for this one on social media as well. So the vote went out on this. Um, You know, we each put our recommendations forward on it. I went with Josh van der Fleer. Ronnie went with Josh van der Fleer. Dion, you nominated Ardi Sevilla. Yeah, I, I nominated Audi. It's going to sound like a silly reason, but looking at Josh, I think Josh had an excellent season and he was obviously in my mind to be to, to be nominated as well. But I, I felt like looking back at previous World Players of the Year, you look at a Peter Stefford, Boy, Richie McCourt, Dan Carter. Josh Winifler was good, but it just wasn't at that level for me. And I think Audi, even when the when the All Blacks were moving backwards and losing, Audi was standout week in, week out. He was just there. Uh, being a stalwart, doing the tackles, getting into the racks and throwing those ridiculously filthy dummy passes that no one falls for, but apparently he still does them. So yeah, Audi was Audi was solid. Yeah, I think very impressive from Audi Sevilla. He had a stellar season. And World Rugby really should have done their nominations better because whilst I feel Josh van der Fleer was a valid winner, I think the other nominations didn't deserve to be there. Audi should have been there. Uh, Eben Etzebeth should have been there. You know, those are those are big gaps. But again, as Ireland won a tour in New Zealand, that's what tipped it in the favor of Van der Fleer. So Josh Van der Fleer is our World Player of the Year. So he's we, one thing we agree with World Rugby on. Sure. Every year we play a number of Super Brew competitions. You know, it's it's great to have everyone on there. Some of our pools are as big as 1,500 players, which is really lacking to play with you guys. I know 1,499 of you like beating Ronnie week in and week out. So, <laughs> yeah. So this year, though, obviously, I went through, we went through the club and we had a look at who performed the best in all of our Super Brew competitions and Rural Warrior. So that's that's the best performing punted brew. Uh, he's the superest of brews. I mean, his profile picture, I think, is him standing in St. Andrews playing golf. So uh, this guy uh, knows it, loves his sport and uh, likes to play at iconic sports locations. He's got almost 80,000 Super Brew caps. So um, I think we're all sitting in the low thousands and this guy's sitting at uh, almost 80,000 caps on Super Brew. So he's, you know, he got one gold, no silver, no bronze, but he's consistently performed high for the rest uh, in other competitions in our overall Super Brew club. And and that's that's good to see. So Louis Kruger, aka Rural Warrior, is our, uh, our uh, punted brew. Yeah, like Louis, well done on being the superest of brews. Please do get in touch with us. We have a shirt, a cap, and some other cool punted merch with your name on it. And thanks for playing with us. We look forward to having you guys all for next year. Some competitions lapping into the new year, so make sure you join us. 
And then, guys, maybe just to end off the episode, some New Year's picks. You know, this episode's airing shortly before Christmas. Who are you guys picking to win the Six Nations, Dion? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with, I think, Ireland. Um, Ireland will take it. England and, and Wales changing coaches shortly before the World Cup, and I don't think they're going to have it together. Side note, personal opinion, I think it's ridiculous. England rugby to, to fire Eddie Jones. He's a man that works with plans, and if you can't let him see out his plans, I think that's that was a ridiculous decision. So I'm going to go with Ireland between Ireland and France. I don't think in England and Wales with the disruptions going to be there, and I don't think Italy and, and Scotland has it to compete with those guys just as yet. So between Ireland and France, definitely. And you, Ronnie? Yeah, I'm going to go again. I'm going to with France. I backed them this year and they were undefeated. So I'm going to back them again to take the win. I agree with Dion. There's uh, just too much happening with Wales and, and England at the moment. Uh, some stability in the French camp. So I'm going to go and stick with France with the Six Nations. Yeah, so I'm going for Ireland in this one as well. And big prediction, Ireland to win the Six Nations, but go out in the pool stages of the World Cup. So boys, that's the Six Nations sorted out. Guys, no, it's not. Know. You haven't told us who your winner is. I did. I said Ireland. Uh, I said uh, Ireland, Ireland to win the Six Nations and then go out in the World Cup pool stages. <laughs> okay, sorry. Just do that. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, so jumping then from the Six Nations, I think a lot of the Northern Hemisphere followers will disagree with our predictions there. A lot also hangs on who gets appointed in Eddie Jones's place. We know Gatlin's in for Wales. But a lot of talk about Razor maybe going to England, Rassi, Borthwick, you know, so we actually don't know what to expect from England when they, they hit it up in the Six Nations. But then we go over to the Rugby Championship. It'll be a bit of a shortened edition um, in 2023 due to the World Cup. Uh, Ronnie, well, who are you picking to win the Rugby Championship? So I think the shortened edition is going to work in our favour, right? Because we don't seem to be able to beat the All Blacks twice. Uh, so we'll beat them once. And then uh, we won't obviously have a second game against them, which we could possibly lose. So for that fact, I'm going to go with the Springboks to win uh, the rugby championship. And and the reason I say that is because Rassi and Jacques have a plan. Uh, Dion, who are you backing for that one before I correct Ronnie there? Uh, yeah, so I want to start off by saying I think this is going to be one of the years that Argentina has their best shot at having a go at it because I feel like a lot of the other nations are going to be focused on the World Cup. I do think South Africa will, the Springboks will still will still take it. Ronnie's got a very valid point there. Uh, stringing along two wins against the All Blacks uh, is, is difficult for us, so that might play in our favour. But yeah, uh, Rassi and, and Jock always seems to have plans cooking, and uh, I don't know how much effort or planning they're putting into the championship, but yeah, I think it's going to be the, the most tightly contested, even more so than this year, uh, ever, mm-hmm. rugby championship. Yeah, I think it's it definitely makes for an interesting one because it is shortened. And like Ronnie says, you know, we can't beat the All Blacks twice. So I'm hoping that prediction then translates, Ronnie, that we'll beat them in the rugby championship. We'll lose to them in the warm-up game we have against them in Twickenham. And then we'll beat them in the World Cup quarterfinal. Yeah, you know, you see, now you're on, now you know, now you're using your brain. <laughs> that's, that's the way we're going in this one. But I'm going to come with another outlandish pick here. And I'm going to say the Wallabies are going to win the championship. And I'm going to paint the scenario for you. Eddie Jones appointed new Wallabies coach. Resurgent suddenly under Eddie that comes crashing down in the World Cup. Because Australia is in quite a challenging pool. I'm picking you know, the that's Wallabies. A, that's just a ridiculous thing to say. So, you know, I don't even want to. <laughs> yeah, that's almost that's borderline conspiracy theory there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But otherwise, if not the, the Aussies, I think, you know, Russia and them are going to rest a lot of the box in the championship. I have a feeling that's the... 
the time that they're going to be rested, considering we have stacked a couple of warm-up games prior to the World Cup. And I think that's just going to play to, to the Aussies' favour. And they also get off the hook lucky because they should have been touring here for two games next year. Now they're only coming for one. And yeah, that seems to always go into their hands. So we have got there Springboks from Ronnie, Los Pumas from Dion, and Wallabies from me. No one's predicting an All Blacks win. No one's giving the All Blacks a chance. <laughs> oh, sure. Hey, guys. And then I think the thing that matters the most in any year, and it always brings a lot of excitement for me, is, you know, World Cup makes the domestic games a little bit more spicy as guys try to put their hands up for selection. You know, everything's on the line in a World Cup year. One injury could see you go from fourth string player to starting player in a World Cup final. Stephen Donald, it happened to him. Spoon Corsi got a shot in the World Cup semifinal when Cheslin went down. You never, ever know when that opportunity is going to come about. So, Dion, this far out, who are you picking to win the World Cup next year? Yeah, um, like I said earlier, I solidly believe that that Rossi and, and Jock, and I think people sometimes forget about Jock and just focus on Rossi, always have a plan and they're always behind the scenes working on things. So I'm, I'm going to go and say it's going to be an Australia a Springboks final. Uh, looking at the pools, I think we're going to have a much harder time getting to the final. But I also have a theory that South Africans in, in big games and, and, and when it really matters, know how to get down and dirty and like, like we've heard, go into the gutters and, and, and fetch that something extra. So I think we'll beat Australia in the, in, in the final. That, that's, that's my opinion. That is a bold, I, bold call. Yeah. I haven't heard somebody come with that call yet, and and it actually it actually uh it, it does something in the back of my mind. You know, I actually, you know, Dion, you might be onto something there. And and the reality is, it's gonna be tough. It's a big ask for us, and you said it. It's it's a big big uh ask of the Springboks to get to the final, to go through the likes of uh, France slash New Zealand, and also Ireland in our pool. And I mean, we've got a difficult pool as well to just make it to the final. But but you said it there. South Africans know how to win the big games, right? So, you know, we play all these other games, rugby championship and tours and whatnot, end of years. But when it comes to the World Cup, we just know what we're doing there. We, uh, we build a narrative, we build a story, and then we just perform in the World Cup. So I'm going to back the Springboks for the win. The Australia there throws, uh, you know, the prediction with Australia in the final, but Dio throws me off a little bit, but uh, it's exciting. But I'll probably say, and I think Nick will agree with me, that it could be a France... South Africa final, but just to be different to Nick a little bit, yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be a, a, a final between South Africa and the All Blacks, and, and South Africa is going to win. Yeah, hey, there's a bold call from Ronnie over there. No one can ever accuse this podcast of being biased. I mean, we're three <laughs> completely unbiased people here predicting Springbok World Cup wins next. <laughs> but yeah, I'm also going to have to back the Springboks for a win in this one. I think I agree with Gianni you know, Rossi and them have plans in place. And when you take a South African on in a big showpiece like that, you know, we do know how to go down dirty to the dark places and, and put up something special. And I'm going to predict, as Ronnie rightly said, a South Africa-France final. I think that's going to be a stellar one. But I also wouldn't be surprised by a box island. But yeah, guys, bumper, bumper season coming for next year. I think we've had a, an incredible 2022. There's been some really special rugby on display. There's still some more coming to you guys. Uh, Ronnie and I will be taking a break from the pod with the next episode coming out on the 11th of January. But that doesn't mean there's not rugby on, guys. There is tons of rugby to watch. Uh, loads of Heineken Cup action. There's the URC. And me, as well as Liam, one of our writers, will be in Kings Park Stadium on New Year's Eve. So come join us there, guys. Sharks versus Bulls in the URC. 
I spoke to some guys there at the Sharks. It's going to be a cracker one at the stadium. Lots of entertainment afterwards. And yeah, thanks, Dion, for joining Ronnie and I today. It's been really lucky having you. And we'll have to get you on here again in the future. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate appreciate the invite. And uh, really looking forward to, to listening to you guys next year and uh, tuning in on the 11th for the first one. And uh, thanks for a great... And, and you guys see my tweets my opinion, the best, best South African rugby podcast. So, yeah, a little bit brown-nosing, but I appreciate the, the, the awesome podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Man. Thank you very much, Dion. Thanks very much. So, guys, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share on your preferred listening platform. And while you're at it, go and give Dion a follow at NoBSSportsGuy. You can find him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we'll check you guys back here in 2023. Drive safe, have a lack of Christmas, everyone, and see you next year.